Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today for our series on women in science is Professor Amal Amin, who is originally from Egypt. Professor Amin is a professor for nanotechnology polymers at the National Research Center in Cairo, Egypt, and is currently serving as a visiting professor at the Institute for Materials Science Technical Faculty, Christian Albrechts University in Kiel, Germany. She is particularly interested in science communication, simplifying science, increasing public awareness and literacy for science, as well as science advice, diplomacy and innovation. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for this introduction and the invitation to the show. Prof. Amin, your work as a polymer scientist has taken you across the world. Some countries include South Korea, China, South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, Turkey, Jamaica, Italy, America. Please, will you tell us about a few of your recent projects which you consider to be significant? Uh, by the way, my interest and therefore my travels are not only related to my field. Uh, some uh, travels related to my field and some travels related to other fields. First, with respect to my field, I am a chemist by training, but I'm working now in material science in general, but specifically in polymer technology and its application and nanotechnology and other fields where I am interested in manufacturing new uh, polymeric and macromolecular materials and their nanocomposites and their applications in different fields and as in construction industries, biomedical applications, curing of agriculture wastes, electrical and optical applications, removing pollutants from environment and many more applications. Second, I have special interest, as you said, for the science diplomacy, science policy, education, science communication, innovation. So some of these meetings were in these fields as well. You have a very diverse set of interests and, and broad spectrum of applications for the things that you do. Thinking back to when you first started your career, what would you say triggered your interest to study science and specifically chemistry? Because chemistry is a challenging subject. Yes, chemistry is a challenging subject, but I was raised from childhood to love reading. <clears throat> and I was fascinated by the power of science and scientists as well in changing the world and in benefiting the world in very uh, practical and peaceful way. So I chose to study science and to become scientist and choose chemistry for two reasons. The first reason may be referred uh, to my passion about chemistry and playing with materials uh, practically and the fast change which you can see in creating new materials. Really, I love chemistry. <laughs> and its new applications. It's a magical and fascinating field. The second reason, because one of uh, my great inspirational stories, which I read in my childhood, was the story of Marie Curie, where from that time, uh, I considered her as my role model, where I liked her power and determination to achieve dreams, despite of all challenges, uh, which she faced bravely and productively. 
When you spoke about Marie Curie, one of the things that really stands out for me is the fact that we can aspire to be like or be motivated by people who have come from the past, who are no longer with us. And I think that that's just so powerful that source of, sources of inspiration can come from historic as well as current figures. Yes, yes, really especially in the childhood, that what uh, I say always that we have to encourage the new generations and tell them the success stories and the inspirational figures like uh, scientists, like astronomists and so on. When you talk about this childhood dynamic, it reminds me of one of the things which I found to stand out in your profile, and that is this sense of development, of growing and nurturing a scientific community, especially amongst women. If I can say, in addition to your day job, you're also the founder of Women in Science Without Borders. You are the founder of the World Forum for Women in the Science Series. You're also a co-founder for the Global Young Academy and an ex-advisory board member of the Egyptian Young Academy. Please, can you tell us more about the Women in Science Without Borders initiative? You are very true in your point of view that uh, I always try uh, to build science-based communities and networks to connect the world and uh, the people with science and connect the world as, uh, and the society on national and global levels more effectively to increase the impact of science in changing the world to a better place. Because networking, from my point of view, is very useful, especially in developing countries. Because sometimes uh, we don't need only money, we need also communication, as I said in the beginning of our conversation. So that Women in Science Without Borders is considered as my recent achievement with the slogan of Science for Sustainable Development, because it aims to integrate scientists and all stakeholders worldwide including industry, policymakers, media, the public together in one skeleton to exchange experiences so that a gender inclusive initiative and network now distributes in 67 countries, aiming, as I told you, uh, to connect the people and the world with science. Briefly, I would like to see gender inclusive future with no more discrimination in terms of males, females, so that women in science without borders have many activities, all of them multidisciplinary, open for males and females, as World Forum for Women in Science, as you said. It was held twice in Egypt, once in South Africa, once in Brazil, once in Iraq dedicated to refugees, and once in Kenya. Also, we had Youth Science Forum to encourage youth to stay in science and to love science. Also, we organized capacity building programs and trainings about different topics like science diplomacy, science education, and science communication. Also, we have Saturday science webinars on different topics like challenges facing humanity in the age of COVID-19, and also about success stories. Uh, we encouraged also competitions on the sustainable development goals for the youth. Uh, by the way, we supported from the beginning by international organizations, and we have several materials wrote about us uh, as example, the Nature article about women in science without borders. We have lots of activities and lots of also of dreams. 
Those are great achievements. And the fact that you've got representation in 67 countries, I think that's phenomenal. You mentioned that you've got funding from international organizations. Is that a core part that you're able to keep the initiative sustainable? It's not only funding. You need money. Sometimes you need to exchange experiences with them. As example, if they uh, would provide speakers, they would provide experiences, they would provide announcement, even announcement uh, about your, uh, the achievements and about the initiative. It's enough for us. You understand experience costs money. It does. And one of the points that you highlighted, which I have to say in my experience is, is a weakness for a lot of women, and that is the capability of networking, of being able to yes. build networks. Yes, you are right. You are right. It's one of um, weakness point in the women, maybe because of their nature, maybe because of uh, the commitments or something like that, lack of networking. I think also, and, and this is coming out of conversations with, with different guests, is that women prioritize things in a different way to men. And sometimes the things that we prioritize are not the things that count to get us ahead of the game. Yes, sometimes the women uh, consider the society much more than herself. You understand that the look of the society, that uh, if she uh, would behave hard or she choose hard fields or something like that, she will not find uh, a job easily or she will not find the uh, uh, opportunity to form a family or something like that. Sometimes, be, uh, especially in developing countries, uh, resulting from stereotypes and culture and so on. Yes, you're so right. That effect of, of society and, and pervasive cultural norms. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Professor Amal Amin, who is a professor for nanotechnology polymers at the National Research Center in Cairo, Egypt. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Prof Amin, we recently hosted Professor Esther Akinlabi, who's the director of the Pan-African University for Life and Earth Sciences in Ibadan, Nigeria. And in fact, she recommended you for our show. And in our conversation, we spoke about the fact that women are underrepresented in science as a whole. According to a UNESCO study, only 28% of the world's researchers are women. In your opinion, what needs to be done to help increase the penetration of women in science? We have now two levels. At first, for girls. At first, for girls, changing the mindset and stereotypes about science to be gender inclusive. And instead of talking about numbers, we have to change the way we talk to girls themselves and about girls from their early childhood, especially in education curricula and in media, which limit the look at girls as Cinderella. 
even with respect to toys, to think in being, preparing them mainly as future mothers or housewives, not as productive individuals who may choose or work in any field, even its difficult or male-dominant field like science, so that sharing success stories and highlighting role models for successful women scientists, encouraging more girls to be involved in science and increasing public awareness. Also afterward, uh, for the young women or, or for the women scientists themselves, as you know, there is leaky pipeline theory which means the percentage of females and uh, the undergraduate and the college stage may be higher than that at the postgraduate stage. And the number decreases gradually up to higher levels in academia and leadership. So that we have to change the previous man-made measures and definitions about excellence, including numbers and qualifications required to stay alive in competitive environment inside scientific communities, to be in favor of quality, of achievement, and their impact on society, not quantity. So allow females to present more in scientific communities. Numbers mean number of projects, number of uh, students, number of papers, and also this will allow uh, more uh, chances for the younger researchers themselves, whether males or females. Also establishing training courses to increase the skills of uh, the researchers. Uh, also encouraging professional networks, as we said, to exchange experiences, encourage actual cooperation between males and females in shared projects, changing measures for prices and increasing nominations for uh, higher prices like Nobel prices and so on. Several things so that briefly allowing equal opportunities for males and females. By the way, all these recommendations, as I said, are useful for younger researchers as well as the women scientists, because both of them need encouragement and opportunity, real opportunity. You've given us some considerable food for thought there on being able to look at increasing the penetration of women in science, both from starting out as well as women who are currently in the field. Earlier in our discussion, you, you spoke about the diversity of the different projects that you're involved in, from developing new materials to looking at aspects of removing pollutants from the environment. Thinking about your field, what types of career opportunities and industries would you say are open to women studying chemistry? <laughs> I think women could work in all industries and all fields. But the problems sometimes lay in the companies themselves, in the industry, which uh, should encourage hiring of more women to have diversity, which will benefit the development of industries themselves. The qualifications needed for industry are equal for women and men together. And resemble that's required in academia in some points, including hard work, creativity, continuous development, personality, and leadership, and can be developed by training. No difference between uh, men and women in the required qualifications. What you're saying is so true in terms of the requirements, but it is about acceptance. I remember reading many years ago, there was this um, study that was done and they presented an identical CV to the panelists or the people that were discussing this. On one CV, it had a female name. And on the other CV, it had a male name. And in 
all instances, the male was perceived to be a better candidate than the female. And the attributes of, of leadership, et cetera, were perceived differently, whether it was a, a male or female. And I found it so interesting that an identical CV is presented, but if you think it's a man, you think it's a better individual. And if you think it's a woman, you think it's a, a less qualified individual for the role. I think it's a matter of stereotype, as I told you, that men should do like that and women should do like that. There is no differences between men and women in qualifications, in the work, in everything. We have to um, overcome these stereotypes. We have to change the mindset. If you want really to have gender equality, we have to step in true actions, not only talking uh, empowerment of women, enabling women, empowerment of women. No, no, and we don't need to empower women. Just let them to talk about themselves, to take uh, real opportunities. I wish that we could get to that point a whole lot more quickly than we currently are. I hope. Our conversation so far has really looked at some of the educational aspects. As a successful woman, please, can you tell us what role education has played in your life and career development? I believe in what Nelson Mandela said, that uh, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Uh, so I think education is a milestone of my life where I am always learning and reading, whether as a student or as a researcher or as associate professor. Also, education for me is not only related to my field, but I think we always have to develop ourselves and gain new skills to help us to develop uh, our personalities in, and uh, understand life much better. Also, traveling can be a source of education to go outside comfort zone and learn more about the other cultures and the people, which, of course, will widen the personal experience. For me, uh, traveling and reading are uh, experience as well are the milestones uh, of my life. You've demonstrated the value of education to your life. Can you share with us your views more generally on education as a tool in the hands of women to help change their lives as well as that of their children? I think education uh, is the most important tool, where in general I see women as change makers, whether as family members or wives or mothers. And also I see education is a tool for change, for better future, for people in general and women specifically, where minds can be built in more progressive way, irrespective of the life conditions and the social status and, all, and so on. Also educated mother uh, will uh, be much, uh, much more open and uh, will benefit her children. Also, if we look at sustainable development goals themselves, we will find that the main person who may be affected with the deficiency of clean water, as example, or deficiency of clean energy or food is a woman as family member at any level in developing countries specifically. So, of course, educating women will affect the total society and they are the main players in development. Of course, males have major rules as well, but women are more influential. Uh, especially with respect to the children at early childhood. 
It's a very influential role. And when you put it into that context, women actually have got power to change entire societies through the influence that they have on their children. Yes, but if you raise children in the right way so that in the future, we hope that there is no more discrimination. We will not uh, speak again about uh, gender equality and so on. And that, uh, that will be my dream uh, also, to find a future free of gender uh, discrimination or any kind of discrimination. You understand me? The children is the core or uh, the future. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter, and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to Professor Amal Amin, who is a professor for nanotechnology polymers at the National Research Center in Cairo, Egypt. Talking about this aspect of gender discrimination, which unfortunately is is still so prevalent in various sectors of society. On the 25th of November, there is the global campaign of 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. And the fact that we have this campaign, it's yet another reminder that we still live in such an unequal society and women's rights worldwide are undermined. What are your views on this type of campaign and um, the efforts that it tries to undertake? As example, it uh, gives encouragement for the, the women themselves to speak loudly about their rights and about uh, some crimes. We uh, The first time to hear about crimes against women and sometimes like that. Previously, Maybe I uh, I don't remember uh, any about this event happened or something like that. I think you are the same. Now uh, the the women uh, speak bravely about their problems more than before. So that I think these uh, days are very uh, good um, choices for women to speak loudly. Awareness is often the, the first. But so the first level, if we were talking about communications, there's that ADA model of awareness, interest, decisions, and, and action. Um, I just wish that we could move beyond the awareness phase and start driving towards more action. Yes, the actions, as example, in some developing countries like in Egypt and so on, we have several laws supporting women and so on. But the implementation is a problem so that these events and these days will uh, give uh, more light about the human rights and the women's rights, uh, because women's rights are human rights as well. So that these days, I, I think it's interesting to pay attention to the women's rights. You are our first guest on this show from Egypt. And I always love to understand the dynamics that happen in different countries on the continent regarding women. Can you describe to us what the state of gender equality is like in Egypt? As I told you, the laws now uh, and the official support for women are stronger than before. And the defects, but the defects which appear sometimes may be referred to the implementation for these laws which will be enhanced by increasing the awareness about the importance of diversity 
and the maintenance of women rights as essential human rights. However, in general, Egypt now witnesses good situation for gender equality, where we have good percentage of women in all jobs and at all levels, including leadership, uh, policymakers, where we have now large number of ministers, female ministers and in parliament as well. Also in scientific communities, the percentage of females may reach 46% in uh, some uh, places and is considered as high percentage even with respect to other countries. However, however, we hope for more. And in your view, what do you think needs to happen to ensure that women have a better future? They need, as I told you, they need essentially equal opportunities and to change the look that they have uh, to be mainly wives and mothers, cultural look to fairer look which women are, that women are partners in life and could be anything they want to be in addition to their biological rules as mothers or wives, if they want to make these rules. Also increasing awareness about the importance of education in the underrepresented environments, which may give them the opportunity to express loudly about themselves and their needs. Also involve men as life partners as well in solving all problems and matters related to women. Both have to cooperate together to solve their problems. And briefly, let women speak loudly and free to be the own player in their lives, but in the presence of men as the main supporter of, uh, and the life partner. Yes, change has to come from both genders. I feel as though in the last maybe six months or so, personally, my thinking has has really been about changing thinking. And maybe it stemmed from COVID and the way that our world was in flux and we had to change things radically. But I almost think that we need to make a stake in the ground and just redesign thinking processes or redesign systems the way we want them to go and not try and bring elements from the past in a way, ideally, to start fresh. You are right. Uh, After COVID-19, it was obviously that we have uh, still similar problems like before. We have gender inequality. We have everything. So you know that in COVID-19, the only loser or the big losers behind COVID-19 were women because they lost jobs in some countries, they lost jobs in some careers. Uh, Maybe one of them uh, was uh, the scientific career because uh, in the lockdown, during the lockdown, they had uh, to stay with the children and so on. Why they had to lose jobs? Why? Uh, It must be some change in the thinking themselves because uh, itself, uh, that uh, the job as mothers and something like that, it's a big job and should be appreciated, including also the career. It looks like part of the society, a big mission, and it's done by women, so that it should be appreciated in another way. Yes, and it's that social element. It's the unpaid labor that has to be done to keep society moving. And you're completely right. It shouldn't fall on the shoulders of of women. There needs to be an an equal distribution of that type of labor. And even on the shoulder of women, it must be appreciated 
not to lose jobs, uh, not to be underrepresented uh, or not to be un, uh, not appreciated from the society or from uh, the scientific society itself. Um, it's not a matter of disqualification. It's a matter of duty. In the space that we're in now, please, will you tell us about a few women who've been important change agents in Egypt? Fortunately, we have several names, as uh, Nabawiya Musa, as example. Uh, I'm talking about the recent time, not in the history. In the recent time, Nabawiya Musa, who is recognized as one of the founding feminists and women rights advocates for the 20th century in Egypt, she was notably the first Egyptian woman to go to high school and finish it. And in 1908, she finished her degree in education. Malak Hefni Nasif also uh, greatly contributed to the advanced, advancement of the Egyptian women in the early 20th century. But strangely, when I began my research about the important women in our history, I found that one of the biggest advocates in Egypt for the women is a man. He is Qasim Amin, who is considered as one of the Arab world's first feminists. He was advocating about women's rights, especially in education, so that it's good that also men uh, could uh, share strongly in solving the problems of women as life partners. It's an interesting perspective where we've got both men and women coming together for an equal, or, or let's say coming together to solve a common issue. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Malka every week on this day at this time. Today, we're talking to Professor Amal Amin, who is a professor for nanotechnology polymers at the National Research Center in Cairo, Egypt. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Prof. Amin, the struggle between career and motherhood has always been a controversial issue for women. We chatted about this briefly in, in light of COVID-19, that it really exacerbated that fact. How do you see this challenge and how have you managed to overcome balancing childcare and still building out your career? It was hard. By the way, I married in Twentis. And I had my own daughters at my early career. So for me, being a mother and scientist was considered as big challenging in competitive career like that inside scientific communities, especially with no much external family help, where my mother passed away very early. The most challenging time was when I decided to have PhD in Germany, traveling with my little family with several cultural differences and family commitments. But at that time, I had only one daughter, my elder daughter. Afterward, I had bigger challenges by having my second daughter. 
So I decided from that time to focus more on our capabilities and the harmony inside the little family. I followed my own recipe, including time management, making priorities according to the events day by day in the presence of short and long plans to have work-life balance with everyday to-do list and personal schedule. Uh, also, I always had plan B to start again if I failed at any stage of my life. In fact, I was running and I'm still running to fulfill all tasks. Those plans depended mainly on the support of family members where I am so grateful for them and their support. Of course, we had ups and downs, but we managed. You certainly have. Time management is is obviously a critical, critical factor. I'd like to ask you more about your personal journey now. And this relates to what you consider to be some of the factors that have contributed to your success. So please, can you share some of these drivers? I have some words related to the drivers, like perseverance, passion, belief, love, understanding. I think they are the keys of my story. No more. I think also the luck or the hard work. I don't know exactly, but you know that it's a collection of keys. It is indeed. Everybody has got a different recipe. Uh, There isn't a one-size-fits-all. Yes, yes. Because you couldn't determine. Because you, uh, when you, uh, when you are young, you work very hard, very hard. Uh, And at that time, maybe I uh, wouldn't believe that I will reach one day because the the effort was very hard and the time management was very difficult, you understand? And uh, it's not expected that you will reach one day to what you want. And it comes through from perseverance. Yeah, maybe perseverance and passion as well because I love what I do. Can you tell us about some of the pivotal moments in life when you were growing up? I remember that uh, one of my favorite hobbies was the correspondence via being friends. I don't know if you know about it or something like that, but it was uh, something at my age when I was a child, which was considered as big global movement to connect youth before internet where I used to write letters and correspond to other young people worldwide, exchanging experiences and points of view across borders. And that action which I made when I was a child was developed <laughs> when I grew up and was the first base behind my passion to found global networks, which I believe in its action to understand the others as I made at my early career. It's amazing what an impact early moments have on your life, the profound effect that they have to steer things in the future? Yes, for reading, correspondence, and so on. I think I continue in uh, in the same track. I think I continue on the same track till now. And till now, I love networking. I love to read. uh, I love to travel. The same hobbies and the same... um, Uh, a schedule which I uh, used to do when I was younger. 
And please, can you tell us about a few of the strong women in your life that have had an impact on you? I think my mother was the strongest woman I have ever seen, where she had a very progressive look for the role of women in society. And she was always encouraging me not to give up uh, at all, whatever happened. So I should thank her, even she passed away a long time ago. Uh, but really, she encouraged me to do what uh, I was doing and I am doing now uh, so that uh, she is one of the influential persons in my life, not only women. Mothers have an important role to play in their children's lives. Yes, yes, especially if uh, she is educated uh, and she is uh, visionary about the future and uh, the requirements about the future and so on. And finally, as we come to the end of our conversation today, please, will you share a few words of motivation or encouragement that you'd like to convey to girls and women in Africa that are listening to the show? Yes, uh, chase your dreams. No limits for the dreams, whatever your age and background. Trust in yourself and be yourself, but always learn and develop yourself. No recipes for success. As I told you, no recipes. So please write your own story. Uh, always you must be unstoppable and have plan B and learn how to start again at any age if you fail. No special recipe for the success, believe me. What a great message. Write your own story, persevere, find plan B or plan C if need be. Thank yes, you very much. Yes, yes. Plan C, always. Yes, plan B and plan C, always. And maybe plan E. Maybe you fail in all plans. Just start again. Just go in another way. <laughs> maybe you can change career. Why not? Thank you for sharing your time with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks a lot for this interesting talk. Uh, and I hope uh, maybe we can meet again after COVID-19. Yes, face to face. Yes, I miss in-person meetings, really. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Professor Amal Amin, who is a professor for nanotechnology polymers at the National Research Center in Cairo, Egypt.